The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. And after Ryan Boyer was on the show last week to break down the Yahoo Friends and Family Draft, I have Drew Silva back on the show this week. Drew, welcome back, man. It's good to be back. Uh, spent the last weekend in Chicago nice. visiting my oldest brother who, who writes for Roto World Football and his young daughter. Who's Might the, have heard of him. Yeah, she's the cutest girl in the world for real. I don't think I'm being biased on that, but maybe I am. Um, and then I celebrate, I, I didn't realize it was St. Patrick's day. Their big St. Patrick's day parade up there on Saturday. And sure so I got to meet, meet No, I, I, I really didn't. I was taking Snapchats on the train ride up there and a couple of my buddies were like, Hey, what are you doing for St. Patrick's day? Totally didn't even realize it was happening. So hung out with a bunch of them and old college friends that moved to Chicago right after college. And it was a blast. I had a really good time up there. And now we're like just over two weeks until the opening of the, the regular season. Yeah. And I found myself getting sucked into the world baseball classic. Uh, it's really cool to like turn on the TV, like at seven in the morning and there's like baseball on, it's kind of yeah. ridiculous. So, uh, just cool to get that. I know there's only what a week left of the world baseball classic. And then we're right before opening day. So, Pretty cool to have some games that, that have some drama, have some tension to them. So that's been fun to follow. I told you the Twitter world would turn and, and embrace the WBC. Yeah. Everyone loves it now. Except for Adrian uh, Gonzalez. He doesn't love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess, yeah, Team Mexico kind of got, got the shaft. but Yeah, weird uh, rules. The, yeah, the, the rules are super weird. But it, it's been really good television. I mean, a lot of the games have been super exciting, down to the wire, um, big comebacks and stuff. Yep. Well, we have a ton to get to today, not only digging into the headlines, but uh, some more discussion about positional rankings. Um, this time we're going to go through shortstop and third base. But before we do that, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on iTunes, please remember to not only subscribe, but to rate and review. And that's important because it'll help more people find the show. So if you like this podcast, the team check-in episodes we've been doing for several weeks now, do us a favor and rate and review on iTunes and, and maybe tell a friend as well. Um, all right. But before we get started with the headlines, I just saw um, before we started recording, Max Scherzer's throwing again with his two-finger fastball grip. Um, of course, he had that fractured right uh, ring finger, and he's been waiting for it to heal. So he was using this three-finger fastball grip for a while, and there was a lot of uncertainty about you know, how he would perform with that. But 
Today he was throwing the two-finger grip, and it looks like he's going to make his grape, Grapefruit League debut next Wednesday. Uh, so sounds like things are falling into place with him as we get closer to the season. So good news there. But I know you had some Rockies stuff to start us out with. Yeah, there's a, a lot going on in, in Rockies camp. I guess the big guy would be Ian Desmond, uh, who the Rockies signed to a five-year, $70 million free agent contract in early December. Um, He suffered a fracture of the second metacarpal bone in his left hand when he was hit by a pitch in a Cactus League game on March 12th. He underwent surgery Wednesday, and manager Bud Black said Thursday that Desmond is expected to make his Rockies debut before the end of April, meaning the surgery went well. Um, That's not an exact timetable before the end of April. Could it be mid-April? Is it going to be late April? They put a plate in his hand. I'm thinking it's going to be late April, and... Hand injuries can be tricky for hitters, obviously pitchers too, but um, I don't know. I guess best case scenario is that he's back near the end of April, somewhere in mid-April. Um, everything seems good. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I was expecting a couple of months. So Yeah, right. I mean, $70 million was probably a big overpay for Desmond, mm-hmm. given what some other position players had to settle for as the offseason rolled along, but and there's definitely a lot to like here from a fantasy perspective, given that he's going to play something like 70 games at Coors Field this year, assuming he does return sometime in April. Um, he had a 285 batting average, a 782 OPS, 22 homers, 86 RBIs, 21 steals, and 107 runs scored in 156 games last year with the Rangers. Really good counting stats. Um, projects to play first base primarily for the Rockies, at least this year. But he was used in center field and left field in Texas, and he was, of course, a shortstop for a long time with the Nationals. Um, Mark Reynolds will be the primary first baseman in Colorado out of the gate, and I guess he could be like a daily fantasy-type darling for a little while in April as, as as a relatively established veteran slugger. I don't know that I'd waste a draft pick on Reynolds given the outlook right now with Desmond, I don't know, maybe in a really, really deep league with like a corner infield spot or like two utilities. But uh, I, I guess the news is pretty good for Desmond. Yeah, that's not so bad. But they, they had another one, which was another like it was a weird fluky injury. Yeah, that's Tom Murphy, who yeah. entered spring training in, in a pretty winnable competition, I think, to become the Rockies primary catcher. But he was diagnosed this week with a hairline fracture in his right forearm and is going to be sideline for the next four to six weeks leaking into april maybe all of april yeah he suffered the injury um last sunday when he tried to make a throw to second base in a cactus league game and hit his arm against anthony rizzo's bat a big bat mm-hmm. um yeah so that this probably locks in tony walters as the starting catcher in colorado or it definitely does with uh, dustin garneau probably backing him up um I don't think Walters offers much fantasy upside, even calling Coors Field home. He had a 258 batting average and a 683 OPS in nearly 2,000 plate appearances in the minors. Garneau's been hitting the ball well this spring, and he posted a 961 OPS with 15 home runs and 52 games last year at AAA. But I I think they like Walters' defense. That was kind of the the storyline leading into the competition with Murphy this spring. So I, I don't think Garneau is going to play enough over the first month of the season or however long Murphy is out to warrant drafting in a standard fantasy league. 
Um, there was, I think, a lot of reason to be excited about Murphy, and maybe there still is if, if he only misses a month or, or three weeks or something. Yeah, I was a big He's, fan of Murphy coming yeah, into the I mean, spring. 25 years old, batted 327 with an OPS over 1,000 and 19 home runs in 80 games last year at AAA, and then kept raking when the Rockies promoted him to the majors in September, and they, they gave him regular action down the stretch. Um he did debut in late 2015 and he's played 32 career major league games in those 32 games. He has a 949 OPS, eight home runs and 22 RBIs. Um, so when he comes back and if Walters isn't hitting definitely a guy you want to pick up in like a deeper league, he's a fine late round stash for me. Yeah. And you could put him in a DL spot. So you know, I still have hope for him this year, but that's a, that's a bummer out of the gate. Um, one interesting possibility that I saw, or at least mentioned, mostly speculation. Uh, Derek Norris was released by the Nationals earlier this week, and immediately people were saying, hey, you know, with Murphy going down, maybe the Rockies signed Derek Norris. That would be pretty good from a fantasy perspective to see him there, uh, but I don't know how realistic that is. I know the Rays have been mentioned as a possibility for Norris. Um, I've speculated the Angels could use someone like him, so we'll see where Norris ends up to. I think that's worth following. Yeah, had a terrible year last year in San Diego, but um, you know he's he's showcased some power before. Sure, he had like a an OPS near 800, I believe, in 2014 when he was an All Star mm-hmm. with uh, with the A's. Yep, and the the Rockies have some other injury situations to keep an eye on. David Dahl, we've known about that for a little while with the stress reaction of his, I think it's a rib, like sixth rib, I think, um, set to be reevaluated in, in two weeks. This was like a week and a half ago they said that. So we should know an update on him in the next few days. But he's bound to tumble down draft boards a little bit because of that uncertainty. And there's also Chad Bettis uh, was diagnosed with testicular cancer in November uh, had surgery at the time, and doctors said they were confident his cancer was isolated, but a recent checkup showed that the cancer is spread. Um, so he's starting chemotherapy and figures to miss a large portion of the season. So that's really just a shame, uh, putting baseball aside. So uh, we wish him all the best in, in his fight. Yeah, I think that diagnosis came like a couple of days after his Cactus League debut, in, right. in which he pitched pretty well. So it's just really a bummer. Yeah. Um, uh, another item out of Rockies camp is that Greg Holland uh, made his Cactus League debut on Wednesday. Uh, needed just ten pitches to get through a one-two-three inning in the ninth. Um, the, the Rockies eased him in this spring after he underwent after after he missed the entire 2016 season following Tommy John surgery. But um, I, I got to to see a little bit of his appearance. He hit. 95 miles per hour with his fastball against the first battery face. That's much better velocity than what was reported from his showcases for interested right. teams this winter. Like I think he was having trouble hitting 91. Mm-hmm. Um, also broke off a couple nice off-speed pitches, curves, and sliders. Um, he's expected to make another six to eight appearances in the Cactus League before the start of the regular season, which would be a fine tune-up for a reliever. They don't really need that much activity because they're not like stretching out as a starter is. Um, if everything goes smoothly from here, Holland will likely open as the Rockies' new closer. All of the Rockies' beat writers are saying that, which would mean a setup role for Adam Adovino, um, who who finished the 2016 season as the Rockies' closer. But yeah, I assumed Adovino would begin the year as the closer, just sort of by default, as uh, you know, as Holland got sort of eased into things. Um, right. 
so this it's sort of surprising to see the beat writer say oh presumed closer um but we'll see how it goes and i actually i drafted holland uh sort of in the later rounds in uh the mixed league tout wars last week um so i'm pretty happy with that right now in, in most of the mock drafts that you and i have done i, I haven't seen holland go very high at all if at yeah. all yep like out of out of vino has been kind of the presumed closer for, you know for me yep um but you know they signed him to a one-year seven million dollar free agent contract in january after he missed the entire 2016 season like i said that deal also includes a, a mutual slash vesting option for 2018 that could be worth as much as five or 15 million dollars depending on games finished and some other statistical benchmarks so I don't know, they're treating him like a closer. He drew interest from a lot of clubs this winter as a 29-year-old with a great track record, uh, 2.42 ERA and 430 strikeouts in 319 career major league innings. He also has 145 career saves. He was the Royals' closer in 2015 when they um, when they won the World Series, but he had to be shut down in, in mid-September because of that elbow injury. Wade Davis, you know, wound up finishing as the the Royals champion closer. He's now the Cubs closer. Um, and I, I like Holland a lot. I mean, the Rockies should be okay. You know, the the pitching staff is is young and has some talent, and obviously the lineup is loaded. Um, uh, Holland should be shooting up draft boards for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a risk reward kind of pick. Um... You know, if he comes back and the command's there, he could be good. Uh, but if his command isn't there in Coors Field, that could be potentially rough. Um, but yeah, the Rockies were a team that I liked as a as a sleeper team coming into the spring. But uh, they've just they're sort of cursed right now. So who knows what's going to happen? But uh, him hitting ninety five miles per hour in his in his debut made me, you know, pretty happy. If you're if you're a guy who's already drafted Holland, you got to be pretty happy with that because. You know, you need to be a power pitcher in Coors Field, and it looks like he's getting some of that back. Uh, some more injuries of note right now. The big one, Anthony DiSclefani with the Reds. Uh, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he was having some elbow soreness, tightness. Um, turns out he's dealing with a sprained ulnar collateral ligament in the right elbow. So he's been shut down for four weeks. Uh, not an encouraging development, obviously. Uh, Tommy John surgery looms as a possibility, but he's going to try the rest and rehab route for now reportedly mulling over platelet-rich plasma injection or stem cell injection as a, uh, in his attempt to avoid surgery. And it's worth noting, uh, Garrett Richards with the Angels had stem cell uh, uh, injections when he was trying to avoid uh, Tommy John surgery. And he is in Angels camp right now. And today, uh, Jeff Zimmerman tweeted out that Richards hit 99 miles per hour with his fastball. Um, so that's pretty good. That's pretty encouraging to hear that about Richards. We'll see as he ramps it up a bit more and, and starts throwing more. Um, but that, that's encouraging to hear about Richards and also potentially maybe Disclefani can avoid surgery. We'll see what happens here. Um, but probably we can rule him out for the early part of the season, maybe the first month or two. Uh, so he's not really worth paying attention to in standard mixed leagues right now, I wouldn't think. And the Reds pitching is going to be even worse than last year. Yeah. Bronson Arroyo is going to make like 20 starts. For <laughs> and that's not a good thing. No, it's not. <laughs> One situation that is apparently not as serious is Carlos Carrasco. Uh, he had a nightmare appearance on Tuesday. Gave up eight runs in uh, under two innings of work. Gave up three home runs in the second inning. 
Uh, anyway, the Indians were concerned enough to send him for tests just to make sure everything is okay. Uh, he does have some swelling in the elbow, but apparently the MRI ruled out any structural damage, so that's a good thing. The hope is that he could pitch in a minor league game or a simulated game as soon as this weekend, but this is bound to scare off some owners, especially this weekend with some uncertainty still going on. Yeah, we know the talent is there, but he's topped 150 innings once in his career. Um I mean, just kind of a a high-risk, high-reward guy. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be taking a chance on him this year. I've been burned in the past. Yeah, he's been a a Roto-World favorite, it feels, for a couple of years. We've been Mm -hmm. really, really high on him, and I still am. You know, you love the strikeouts. The control's really good. Um, But he's yet to prove that he can hang with those, like, number one starters. And he's, at least uh, on the boards that I've seen, he's kind of in that, like, 10 to 15 range. I think that might be a little too generous. Um, so, yeah, I'd say unless he falls a little bit under there in that more of that 15, 20 range, then I'm probably going to end up avoiding him. Does have a really team friendly contract. Uh, made four and a half million last year, six and a half million this year, and eight million in 2018. So, I don't know, maybe easier to swallow for the tribe, but yeah. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound super serious, but uh, yeah, something, something to keep an eye on. Um, uh, you were on news today on Roto World. Any other stuff you've been tracking as far as injuries? Yeah, Alex Dickerson, who was projected to have at least a share of the Padres' starting left field job, uh, was diagnosed Thursday morning with a disc protrusion in his back, which calls for three to four weeks of rest and rehab. Um, now, there, there are a lot of moving parts in the Padres' outfield. Like It wasn't a sure thing that Dickerson was going to play every day, certainly. And that, you know, there are a lot of moving parts up and down that roster. But my guess right now, you know, Dickerson opens the season on the DL. Travis Jankowski starts in left field, possibly in a platoon with Jabari Blash, who's having a big spring. Um, That means Manuel Margot opens in center, Hunter Renfro in right. Uh, San Diego isn't usually a a very fruitful place for position player fantasy sleepers, but I think there's something to like with all of those guys I just mentioned Jankowski had 30 steals in the majors last season, despite getting just 335 total at bats. Margot's a big speedster too, a, a top 100 prospect. Um, Renfro showcased his power last September with four home runs and 14 RBIs over his first 11 major league games. He had 30 home runs and 105 RBIs in 133 games at AAA El Paso before the Padres finally called him up last year. I kind of like Blash's game too. That, that he's though he's probably not going to play enough while Dickerson rehabs. Um, I, I don't know. Jankowski's like a, a, a sleeper speed guy for me, who's like definitely locked into regular playing time now. And Margot, I think you know he, he's a big talent. Should probably be shooting up some boards. And and then I I like Renfro a lot. I think Petco Park is a little more hitter friendly now than it used to be because they they changed the dimensions a bit and lowered some of the walls. Um, you know, there's, there's some value here out in San Diego that I don't think is really being paid attention to. Yeah. Margot, I'm not sure, uh, if he's going to start the year in the majors just because the Padres aren't, they aren't winning anything this year. Um, so they could probably, and we did see Margot for a couple of weeks at the end of last year. So if they wanted to play the service time game with him, they could keep him in the minors for a month or so. Um, and then just go with Jankowski in center and kind of go with a combination of guys in left field, including Blash and 
Uh, I heard Dennis Lynn of the San Diego Union Tribune today said even Corey Spangenberg could see some time in left field. So they might try to have a patchwork kind of left field situation and just use Jankowski in center until they feel, you know, Margot, they get past a point where service time wise, it makes sense to call him up. But I, I really like Margot. He's another speed guy that you should definitely be keeping an eye on. Yeah, with a pretty good all-around game, yeah. um, good plate approach. I, I feel like I don't have a good handle on the entire Padres depth chart, what exactly they're going to do beyond like first base. Right, especially pitching-wise. <laughs> that team is going oh, to be a disaster. <laughs> it might be the worst pitching staff we've seen in a long time. I mean, it's it's hard to weigh it against the Rockies and the ERAs we've seen there. Um, but just on talent, uh, it's going to be a really rough year for them. Who's going to start opening day? Jared Weaver? Uh, or Julius Chassin, maybe. But probably Weaver because he's the veteran, I guess. But wow. yeah, it's not it's not good. Um, Throwing 83 mile per hour fastballs on opening day. I heard he was up to 85 the other day. So oh, baby. Look, look out. Um, okay, I guess we should also mention Yasmani Tomas here. Coming off a 31 homer season, uh, has been diagnosed with an oblique strain. Uh, we know these things can linger, so it would seem that he's likely to start the season on the disabled list. So something to keep in mind if you're drafting this weekend uh, and you're looking for a power bat, you might be missing him in the early part of the year. Uh, looks like they're, the replacements are kind of underwhelming. Gregor Blanco, uh, Jeremy Hazelbaker, who was a uh, briefly a fantasy pickup, waiver wire pickup. Uh, Chris Owings maybe could be in the mix if they want to get creative uh, between shortstop and the outfield. Uh, so those are the guys who seem likely to fill in. I think Owings is kind of interesting. We may get into him a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Tomas likely to start the year on the DL. I wanted to get into some Mets pitcher tidbits if I could for a minute here. Um, Do it. Zach Wheeler made his second start of the spring today. And while the results weren't overly impressive, two runs over two and a third innings, the velocity was. He reportedly was as high as 97 miles per hour. And you contrast this with Matt Harvey. Uh, who's making his way back from surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome, and the velocity isn't there with him yet. Uh, he sat around 92 miles per hour during his start on Wednesday um, and admitted after the game that he's likely going to have to get by for a bit with this diminished velocity. Now, the original plan was for Wheeler to begin the year in extended spring training, but Mark Kurig of Newsday noted this afternoon that his performance Thursday hasn't gone unnoticed by the club's decision makers, and... Mets manager Terry Collins also seemed excited after Thursday's game. Whether that means that Wheeler will end up with a rotation spot or maybe just a spot in the bullpen, we'll see. But it's certainly an interesting thing to watch as we get toward the end of spring training. I mean, maybe as Mark Craig sort of speculated out loud, maybe Harvey's the one that needs to be in extended spring training and not Zach Wheeler. One one more like headline here before we get into some rankings. Um, earlier this week came a report that the Rays had agreed to terms on a six-year, $53.5 million contract extension with center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, Kiermeyer was due to make $2.975 million this year, his first year of arbitration eligibility as a Super 2 qualifier, which means he would have got four years of arbitration eligibility. So uh, this new deal buys out. I believe two or three years of, of free agency for him at, at a pretty team friendly rate. Um, I, I think these arbitration deals are always smart, even if they don't pan out. Um, you know, it, it's it's worth it to try to buy out two or three years of, of free agency for a guy you really believe in. 
Uh, Kiermaier is one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball, if not the very best. And I think he showed a lot of fantasy upside in 2016 with 12 home runs and 21 stolen bases in 105 games. He missed all of June and part of July with fractures in his left hand. But if you extrapolate that production out to like a 162 game season, we're talking about a 20 homer, 35 steal type of type of talent, which is big time value in the fantasy world. Um, Kiermaier's on base percentage rose from 298 in 2015 to 331 last season. And he batted second for the Rays throughout August and September. Um, there's, I, I think there's some real value here, especially if he takes another step forward offensively. This will be his age 27, age 27 season. And um, it, it's pretty common for you know, guys to break out around age 27. Some people consider that the, the baseball prime. Um, I, I discussed Kiermaier's offensive progression with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times in our Rays check-in episode of the Roto World Baseball podcast. If people want to go back and listen to that, it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I've been targeting Kiermaier in drafts that I've done, and I've not been able to get him yet, and it's really, really frustrating because uh, I like that power-speed combo that he offers, and it's kind of going under the radar, I think, but you look at the progression he had with power last year, and I think more, even more encouraging, like you said, the patience um, and finding a spot in the number two spot in the order. There's some nice fantasy upside there, so if you're looking in the later rounds for some more balance for your roster... He's definitely someone to keep an eye out for. Yeah, if if you're drafting with like fantasy experts or just people who follow baseball really closely, they know they know about Kiermaier. Mm-hmm. They know he's he's more than just like a defensive maestro. Um, so I think it's 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 hard to get him if people know what they're doing. But maybe in a casual league, you know, he'll be he'll be around late. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Um, okay, let's get on to these rankings, and uh, I guess let's start at shortstop. I should say these. Rankings were submitted a couple of weeks back for the online version of the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide, which you should absolutely get if you haven't already. I'm biased, of course, but uh, it's a great resource, so check it out. Um, anyway, I don't think I've been swayed that much in my rankings for these positions, but we're going to start out at shortstop. I'm going to read off my 1 through 20, if I can get it right here. Let's see. Um, let's see. Okay, I had Manny Machado first. Uh, Trey Turner, second. Carlos Correa, third. Uh, fourth, Corey Seager. Fifth, Francisco Lindor. Sixth, Xander Bogarts. Seven, Jonathan VR. Nine, Trevor Story. Or eight, Gene Segura. Nine, Trevor Story. Ten, Addison Russell. Eleven, uh, Jose Peraza. Twelve, Brad Miller. Thirteen, Tim Anderson. Fourteen, Javier Baez. Fifteen, uh, Aledmus Diaz. 16, Elvis Andrews, 17, uh, Troy Tulowitzki, 18, Dansby Swanson, uh, let's see, 19, who did I have here? Chris Owings? 19, Eduardo Nunez, 20, Chris Owings. That's what I got. Um, I think we're, we're fairly similar. At the top, I, I have Machado and then Carlos Correa. I'm a little worried about the the Trey Turner hype. I I think he's like a really good player, but man, if if you're like looking at his stat line from last season, um, and and expecting him to like at least keep that pace, I mean that that makes him like a 30 homer, 75 stolen base guy. Yeah, that's um, not. Gonna I, happen. I, I, yeah, I know, I know you're you're not <laughs> planning on that, but 
I feel like we, we need to expect some real regression there. And I think that for me, Carlos Correa, maybe it's just a hunch. Um, this is like the year that he's really going to break out and the Astros are going to be awesome. And he's going to be hitting near the top of that lineup. Um, so I, I have him second, I, I, like all, there's so much talent at this position, um, really up and down. Like I have Dansby Swanson 20th and I think I should move him up. I mean, we, like you said, we did this a few weeks ago. He's having a big spring. Not that that would sway me, but he just looks like the real deal all around. Not that um, it should matter, but I actually had as Drupal Cabrera 19th, Eduardo Nunez 20th. I had Chris Owings outside of my top 20, but not a big deal. Um, but yeah, you were the low person on Trey Turner in our staff rankings. And I had Machado. I had Machado first. He varied with us as well. There was sort of some debate about that, which surprised me. Um, just because I love the eligibility between shortstop and third base. I think if you're in a vacuum, just having him on your roster um, and having that flexibility, I think is awesome. So uh, I think he was a no doubt first uh, at shortstop for me uh, with the power that he offers. Does, doesn't have the speed that you'd like to see, but I think he's so safe. And I think we might not have even seen his ceiling yet. Um, he's playing for a, a contract a little bit down the road too. That's true. Uh, um, with Turner, just like, yeah, he hit 342 with 13 home runs and 33 stolen bases in 73 games last year. But his highest home run total in a minor league season was eight in 116 games in 2015. His highest stolen base total in a minor league season was 29, also in 2015. Like, this is not Mike Trout. Um, Correa had like a relatively disappointing sophomore season in 2016, but he's 22 years old. He's younger than Turner. Um, he's been really solid, 42 home runs, 27 steals through his first two major league seasons. Um, I, I would say he's more proven even with more upside than Turner. Maybe that's crazy. Well, a year I think ago, he, yeah, I think Houston's supporting cast is excellent too. I guess so is Washington's. A year ago, we were talking about Carlos Correa sort of being in a similar position because he played basically a little yeah. over half a season and he was being hyped as, you know, an early first round pick. Um, and then he disappointed. So maybe we should learn a lesson from that. But I think Turner, if you watch him play, uh, you see the speed that he shows on the base paths. I'm not really worried about that aspect of his game. So uh, with speed harder to find right now, I think he gives you, you know, a relatively safe, floor with that speed um so i don't think he's as big of a risk as it as it may seem he may you know he may end up as the sixth most valuable shortstop but that's still not that bad i would still take that that's fine um so i don't really see that being a big deal um where, where did you have jose peraza he's he's an interesting like I had guy pre- that you can wait on with for me a, a speed guy too yeah i have him 11th and, i had him 10th okay yeah i mean i think it's just we haven't really seen a ton from him. Uh, but yeah, he does have that multi-position eligibility, which is cool. Um, it looks like he might hit second in the Reds order. Um, and he's a guy who should hit for average. Um, and the speed should help there as well. But yeah, 20, 21 steals in 72 games, 56 starts last season. So I, I, I think like the, the speed is something that you can rely on. And, and then he also hit, you know, he also batted 324. I don't expect him to do that again, but he's going to see a lot of playing time and he's in a power friendly park. And I think you can hang your hat on the speed. Um, he's a guy who's, who's kind of shooting up boards ever since the Brandon Phillips trade. Cause he's, you know, he's locked in 
to a starting job. Um, but yeah, he might be a guy I'd reach for. He's racked up 244 stolen bases since turning pro in 2011. Um, just like a, a really reliable speed threat who's playing in a really good offensive park, who's probably going to hit second ahead of, you know, Joey Votto. Yeah, I, th- I think he's he's worth a look. Uh, he has been going higher in drafts, so I don't think he's going to sneak up on a lot of people. But um, yeah, the speed definitely makes it worth it. Probably not going to be a lot of power, uh, so you'll have to live with that. Um, you seem to be the high one on Aledmus Diaz. Um, and you had him, let's see, you had him higher than Brad Miller, Addison Russell, guys like that. Um, what's your case for Diaz? I think we have to treat him like he is the player that he was last year until we're proven otherwise. Um, I mean, like the, the Cardinals dropped him from their 40 man roster in 2015 um, anyone could have grabbed him, but you know, he, he, he was owed a bit of money. So he passed through and then, you know, obviously made his major league debut early last year when Johnny Peralta injured his thumb and just, just hit out of the gate, 300 batting average, 369 OBP, 879 OPS, 17 home runs, 65 RBIs and 111 games. He's probably going to bat second in that lineup. Um, you know, behind Dexter Fowler in front of Matt Carpenter. I, I mean, if he's, if he's that guy, he is certainly, you know, a top 10 guy at shortstop. Um, and I, I, I don't know, like maybe he's not that guy. Maybe we should expect a lot of regression, but I, I, he took two, like basically two years off of baseball when he defected from Cuba and it took him a while to, I think, get back into the swing of things. Um, and, and I think now he's, he's kind of finding his own and I'm, I'm going to treat him like a, a high 800 OPS player until I see differently. Right. Um, now I was the high one on Addison Russell out of our staff rankings. I had him 10th. Nobody else had him higher than 12th. Um, and I feel like that was mostly like a gut decision because when I looked at the top 10, I feel like there's a fairly, you know, neat consensus for that top 10 but like when you get outside of that at the Mm -hmm. shortstop position it's like you know they're kind of all in the same general area for me like it go it could go any number of directions so with addison russell still a guy who's so young and hit for power last year um i still think there's another level to his performance and i don't know if it's going to happen this year but i think it's going to happen eventually and the Cubs are doing interesting things with their lineup. I mean, Kyle Schwarber is going to hit leadoff, um, yeah. which is crazy. Um, but cool. I mean, it's awesome. Um, Addison Russell might see time in the cleanup spot. He might but fifth at certain times. Like, I think there's more upside here than people are, are giving him credit for. I think that's fair. I also think a lot of these rankings that we do are gut decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's, it's hard for me to, to justify why I have a player, a certain place. I mean, you can look at the numbers, you can look at the age, um, you can look at the minor league numbers, but, but really it's just, you know, you rely on instincts and eye tests and mostly just the numbers, but, um, you know, a lot of fantasy prognostication is about what you feel and some, you know, you, you, you use all these data points to help you, but a lot of it is just making gut calls. Right. It's, it's some skill, it's some luck and sometimes it works out. So, um, do you want to read your third base rankings? Yep. So 
number one, Nolan Arenado, number two, Chris Bryant, three, Josh Donaldson, four, Kyle Seeger, five, Anthony Rendon, six, Todd Frazier, seven, Adrian Beltre, eight, Alex Bregman, nine, Michael Franco, 10, Miguel Sano, 11, Evan Longoria, 12, Jose Ramirez, 13, Jake Lamb, 14, Justin Turner, 15, Ryan Healy, 16, Nick Castellanos, 17, Mike Moustakis, 18, Eugenio Suarez, 19, Yanjervis Solarte, 20, Uh, (laughs) Ules... Did I pronounce that? You can just call him Jan. You can call him Jan Solarte. I feel like that's what they do in San Diego, actually. Yeah, that's good. So he's 19, and then 20 is Uleski Guerrero. All right. I think the sort of, you know, you're happy either way, but I think at the top of the third base board, maybe there's a little debate between Arenado and Chris Bryant. Yeah. For me, I prefer Chris Bryant, and uh, I think it's mostly because I'm not sure we've seen his peak yet. You could maybe make the case that we've seen it from Arenado already or that he's in his prime right now. I don't think we've seen it from Bryant. I still think he can provide even bigger numbers in time which is like a scary thought because he was the mvp last year (laughs) um but and he also offers a little bit of speed and that's something arenado doesn't offer and the other thing that brian has is multi-position eligibility um not only first base but outfield and of course third base so having that extra flexibility on your roster over the course of a season is really huge so i know this is like third base rankings but just, again, in a vacuum, I'd rather have Brian on my roster than Arenado. But either way, you're going to be set up pretty good. I think you're going to be happy. Yeah, they're super close to me, and I don't have an argument against taking Chris Bryan. I think there's an argument to make that you could draft him second overall, um, You know, get, given what he did last year, given the age, given the talent around him. Um, I, I like I like Arenado because he gets to play 81 games at Coors Field. Sure. And you know, the Rockies have a really good lineup, and he's just a, a proven masher, and, and power is at a premium. Of course, Chris Bryant's a proven masher, too, and his supporting cast is fantastic. So uh, they're very, very close for me. We all had jo- we all had Josh Donaldson at number three. Um, had that calf strain early on in camp, but uh, he's playing in minor league games again, uh, or playing in minor league games now. Um, and it looks like he should be in Grapefruit League action pretty soon. So it looks like he's on track for opening day. So I don't think you should have any hesitation about drafting him. Uh, one name that stood out to me on your list, you were the highest on uh, Jake Lamb. Um, what's your what's your case for, for Jake Lamb? Um, you had him 13th. I mean, like I did a, a showdown between Matthew Pouliot and myself and these are things that you can find in the draft guide where two writers argue against each other based on the rankings that we submit. And it was Ryan, Ryan Healy versus Jake Lamb. I, I think Pouliot has Healy really high this year. Um, but uh, Lamb, you look at the production from the lower minors, uh, put up a 959 OPS and 37 home runs in 244 games between rookie ball and AAA. He's just been a masher at every level. Gets to play, you know, half of his games at Chase Field, one of the most power-friendly parks in the majors. Maybe I put too much into park factors, but these are the kind of things you have to, you know, these are the little things you have to use to differentiate between different players. <clears throat> Had a legitimate breakout year last year. Um, I'm just, I I like the ballpark. I like the bat. 
Um, you know, had an 840 OPS last year, 29 home runs, 91 RBIs, and 151 games. Um, he's going to be batting behind Paul Goldschmidt. I, I think there's going to be a lot of RBI opportunities, and 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 he'll, he'll probably contribute a lot of home runs. Um, I feel pretty confident having him at 13. Yeah, he dropped off a bit in the second half last year, but um, if he can put together a full season um, of that kind of production, I think he could make a huge jump at the third base position this year. Um, I had Justin Turner just ahead of him, and uh, I just feel like Turner's more proven, um, a little bit safer, and I almost feel like he doesn't get enough respect for what yeah. he's done over the past three years. Um, so, yeah, I really like uh, Justin Turner. Um where I had him here. And I think he's someone you can get like fairly late and, yeah, wait, and sure. wait on him a bit. Uh, and he might be around. Um, I had Evan Longoria, uh, I think higher than everybody. I, Dave, one of our other writers, he had uh, him eighth as well. Um, I really like the power that I saw from Longoria last year. Like a lot of players on the Rays last year, they lofted the ball more often than ever before. I don't know if that was like, something that they were working with all their hitters about. Um, but we saw that with Longoria last year. I don't think it was a fluke necessarily. I think you do have to worry a little bit about Longoria's age. He's played a lot of games over the past few years, but you know he's getting closer to the mid-30s, so you worry about the health a little bit. But I think that power is very much for real. Um, so I, I don't think he should be discounted at all. Yeah, Longoria went 96th overall in the last mock draft we did um for the draft guide and that's that's pretty late like that's a good value for a dude who's like a proven star yeah i mean he's not the player he was before like he used to steal bases he doesn't do Mm -hmm. that anymore um but for the power that he showed last year and and i think it again it's it's we we can look at the numbers and see that he lofted the ball much more often than he had done in the past um that i think you can believe in it um so i'm pretty confident about him um, one guy that I like, um, who you can get late also, Mike Moustakis. Yeah. Um, missed, uh, most of last year with the torn ACL, but he's back now. He's healthy. Um, two years ago, we saw a power progression from him and actually was hitting for some good power last year before he went down. I think he's someone that you could get late, uh, to either be your starter at third base or, you know, a corner infielder, utility kind of guy. I think he's someone who could be a really nice value, and he's also in a con- contract here. So There's yeah, good narrative. Yeah, so the extra motivation, who knows if it'll work out, but he's someone you can get late, um, and I think he could be a pretty good pickup. Nick Castellanos is a guy I'd like to highlight. Um, I, I think I had a good discussion about him with Anthony Fennick of the Detroit Free Press in my Tigers check-in episode of, of the Roto World Baseball podcast. That was last week, so people can go back and listen to that. But I, I think he was you know, rushed to the majors, probably. I think we can agree on that. In 2013, at age 21, after being drafted out of high school, um, and he, you know, he soared through the Tigers minor league system, hitting well at every level, but it, it kind of came to a halt. But like slowly but surely, you know, he, he has progressed into a, a really good player, and he was well on his way to a full-on breakout last year, like a 25-homer, 80-RBI type of deal b- before he fractured his hand in early August and basically missed the final two months. Um, I think he projects right now to be the Tigers' number six hitter, but I, I think he has the goods to move up the lineup. 
especially if they start to rebuild, if J.D. Martinez leaves, um, which is a real possibility, I'd say, if, if, if he's traded in June or July or something. Um, Castellanos is young, talented, in a, in a good spot in that lineup with the ability to move up. I, I, I think you know, he checks all the boxes for me for a guy that could have a, a real breakout year and, and is going really late in drafts. Yeah, I think if you got Castellanos or Moustakis late, you're getting guys with potential upside. Um, yep. So those are two to keep an eye on. Um, anybody else at third you got? Um, I don't know. What What do you think about Yuleski Gurriel? I, I, I feel like we, we were hyping him up last year when he came up but he you know he he battled through some hamstring issues and then kind of disappointed us yeah i didn't get a Um, chance to watch him that much honestly mm -hmm. um and i still think there's sort of an unknown quantity factor there which is sounds weird to say because he was like one of the best players in cuba like ever Mm -hmm. um but he's already like what 32 years old i Um, think he's older than that so he's i mean he's probably past what you would expect to be his prime production years. Um, so it's hard to really uh, put the numbers from Cuba into context, given where he yeah. is now in his career. He's going to get a chance to be their first baseman, um, even though he qualifies at third base. Um, but they still have A.J. Reed there too. Right. So yeah. if A.J. Reed puts the pressure on and, and, and Gurriel struggles out of the gate, um, you know, who knows? Um, and I mean, also they, you know, they have Carlos Beltran there in the DH spot. Maybe he gets hurt. Maybe they move some guys around. So, um, they have a lot of flexibility with that lineup, especially if a player like Gurriel struggles and the Astros are a win now team very much. So, um, Mm. so I think the patience might not be, you know, it could be thin. Um, but he turns 33 in June, by the way. Okay. I had to look that up. Yeah, because I, I get questions about Gurriel sometimes, you know, like keeper league questions, and I'm normally like, you know, I will take the younger guy because Gurriel's older than you think. Yeah. Um, and, and we really don't – I didn't get enough of a read on him last year to give a really strong opinion. Now, I, I did rank him 18th, but, I mean, given that he's sort of in the same area as Solarte and Suarez, that doesn't sound that crazy to me because anything could happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and Suarez and Solarte are, you know – pretty valuable players i think at least suarez in in a good ballpark and showed some power last year you kind of know what you're getting but probably like 20 homer upside but yeah 20 homer probably low batting average but yeah i mean that's helpful solarte um was sneaky sneaky good last year he's actually pretty good but i think the ceiling there isn't very high uh guriel i think there there is some upside there but there's also a ton of uncertainty but given where he's going in drafts i don't think it's really a big deal like if he disappoints, you can drop him and pick up somebody else, and you'd be okay. Miguel Sano is also a, a guy I have trouble ranking because we, we just haven't really seen, you know, the 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 ceiling of the potential on on him yet. I, I I mean, I guess I like the bat, but kind of floundering up in Minnesota. He's only twenty three years old, though. It feels like he's been around forever. Yeah, I mean, his rookie year was just awesome and i think there was so much hype for him going into last year that you know he disappointed he also played the outfield um so you have to wonder if that was like a distraction uh you know a distraction from his production at the plate like who knows you know you can't really account for that kind of thing but um he is going to be the third baseman this year for the twins so maybe that'll get him a bit more comfortable but you still like the pop and the patience that he has. And he's someone I, I'd feel fine grabbing as my starting third baseman. I wouldn't really have an issue with it. 
Um, you just have to balance your roster uh, to account for the batting average risk. Where did you have Sano in your ranking? Let's see. I think I had him like eighth. Let's see if I can find it here. I had Alex Bregman eighth, who I guess we could talk about a little. Um, I had Sano tenth. Okay, we both had him tenth. All right. yeah, I put him behind Bregman. Yeah. I. Okay. Yeah, I had Bregman eighth. Okay. I mean, I, I like. I think that that guy is a stud, like a ready-made major league stud. Um, man, I really like the Astros this year. I think Sports Illustrated was right; they're going to win the World Series. <laughs> uh, um, but I mean, like he got off to that. I think he was two for thirty-eight start, and then just started clicking until you know an injury cost him a, a bit of time. Uh, the second overall pick in the 2015 draft and just mashed the ball be- between double A AA and triple A last season. Um, just a really well-rounded hitter and, and a good hitter's park in a good lineup. And he's probably going to bat near the top of it. Yeah. I mean, I think he showed a lot after really struggling, like you said, um, two for 38 to start his major league career um, to respond the way that he did and really hit so well down the stretch. Um, I was really impressed with what I saw from him last year, enough to put him ahead of Sano. I think just across the board, he's going to be, um, you know, a really safe, useful player to have for a really long time. And probably someone who's going to gain ground at the third base position, probably maybe a year from now, he'll be inside that, that top five. Yeah. Um, so that's all I got at third base, unless you have anything else. That's all I got too. Okay. So that will do it for this week. Uh, good luck if you're having drafts this weekend and in the coming days. And if you still need to prepare, get the online version of the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide, over 1,000 player profiles and projections, columns on sleepers, busts, prospects. Uh, once again, staff rankings by position. So you can go through all that, get our different opinions. Uh, there's average draft position data, mock draft analysis, and various formats, keeper rankings. It really has it all. So no matter the format you play, uh, it should be helpful for you. Go to rotoworld.com to get it today. Uh, anything else before we go? Have a good weekend, man. Have a good weekend and enjoy <laughs> enjoy the tournament. Uh, if, yeah, if, yeah, if you're into that. Um, Recording this podcast has caught me some, cost me some critical college <laughs> basketball watching. Well, you can get back Dayton, to it in a minute. Yeah. The Dayton Flyers play tomorrow. I just gotta I gotta rep them. <laughs> beat, they gotta beat Wichita State, and then they get Kentucky. I've, I'm totally not even paying attention to the tournament this year. I didn't fill out a bracket. I just moved, so I'm just like I just want to unpack boxes. Like that's all I'm really focused on: unpacking boxes, it. paying attention to baseball. That's all I'm doing right now. But just the normal plugs at the end here: subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silv, and we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. 
That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.